Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to this Come Follow Me Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be lesson number 30, and it pertains to Alma chapter 39 through 42, and it's going to be for the period of time July 27th through August the 2nd. Now, this uh, particular section here, Alma chapter 39 to 42, is a talk that uh, Alma has given to his son Corianton. Corianton was one of the missionaries that had gone with his dad to uh, to help the Zoramites to be converted. Uh, however, uh, Corianton had a little side tour, uh, a little distraction here from his mission, and so Alma is going to call him on the carpet for that and and uh, get him to repent. Now, one of the benefits to us about this is that there's so much doctrine about life after death in this section that it uh, is a treasure trove of information for us. So this is really good for us. Sorry Corianton had to do this to, to be a blessing to the rest of us, but uh, such is the case. All right. So um, he mentions in verse 3 that uh, the reason that he's being chastised here is that uh, Corianton went after the harlot Isabel, uh, even though he was on his mission and shouldn't have done that. Uh, Alma talks about how um, serious of a sin this is in verse 5. Uh, these things are an abomination in the sight of the Lord, and it's only um, most abominable save for shedding of blood and denying the Holy Ghost. So that's a pretty serious uh, transgression here that Corianton was involved in. Uh, we know how uh, significant uh, of a sin murder and denying the Holy Ghost are. Um, murder is unforgivable sin, and, and uh, the de denying of the Holy Ghost is an unpardonable sin. Uh, you can't be forgiven for denying the Holy Ghost, and uh, those that are that commit murder are eventually forgiven. Uh, well, I should say they're pardoned, um, but it's an unforgivable sin because it's the taking of a life. Uh, also, in talking about um, morality and and uh, chastity, that unchastity is is uh, tampering with the powers of life, whereas the murder is the taking of a life. And so, um, these two transgressions, these two sins, are very serious in the eyes of the Lord. So uh, as Alma is talking to his son, uh, he's telling him not to do these things anymore, to cross yourself, he says down in verse 9. In other words, have self-discipline, don't do this anymore. Um, and then um, one of the concerns that uh, Corianton has, and I think he's probably feeling like it's not fair to be punished for sins, and that was probably a teaching of the Nehors um, among the people of the Zoramites. And so he's probably uh, believing or wants to believe in that. Uh, but then uh, as Alma talks to him down in chapter 40, he's now going to talk to him about the resurrection. Now we know that uh, he mentions here uh, in verse 2 that uh, there's, in verse 3, that, that there's not going to be a resurrection until after Jesus comes. Uh, that those that, uh, uh, he mentions in verse 4, there's a time appointed that all shall come forth from the dead. In other words, there's a, an organized way in which this is going to be done. There's an orderly fashion to it. Verse 5, he says, uh, now, whether there shall be one time or a second time or a third time, um, I don't know, but God does. Uh, but there is a time, he says in verse 6, between, betwixt the time of death and the time of the resurrection. Now, 
that means that there's going to be those that go into the spirit world. So after death, after our mortal existence here, we go into the spirit world awaiting the resurrection. Now this applies to everybody except for those that have been translated, um, that they won't have a time between death because they haven't died yet, because they will be changed in the twinkling of an eye between uh, from the time that they're a terrestrial or a translated person until they're resurrected. So this doesn't apply to, to translated individuals. Um, but only to mortals that are that are here upon the earth. Verse 9, he mentions again, there's a time appointed that they shall rise from the dead. As I mentioned, that's going to be a very orderly thing. It's going to be uh, from the most righteous to the most wicked. So Jesus was the first to be resurrected. And then uh, the, the last will be the sons of perdition that will be the last to be resurrected. Again, in verse 11, he mentions about the state of the soul between death and resurrection. And when we use the word soul in this context, he really means the spirit, because it's the spirit that uh, goes into the spirit world. Um, and that uh, he mentions in verse 11 that they are taken home to that God who gave them life. Now, we often think that we're going to be immediately ushered into the presence of God upon our death, and that's not the case. Um, so Brigham Young said, um, he says, where does the spirit go after death? I'll tell you. Um, they do not pass out of the organization of this earth on which we live. You read in the Bible that the spirit leaves the body. It goes to God who gave it. Now tell me where God is not, if you please. You cannot. How far would you have to go in order to go to God if your spirits were without a, a mortal tabernacle? Would you have to go out of this bowery to, found God, to find God if you were in the spirit? It reads that the spirit goes to God who gave it. Let me render this scripture a little plainer. He says, when the spirits leave their bodies, they are in the presence of our Father and God. They are prepared then to see, hear, and understand spiritual things. But where is the spirit world? It is incorporated within this celestial system. Can you see it with your natural eyes? No. Can you see spirits in this room? No. Suppose the Lord should touch your eyes that you might see. Could you then see the spirits? Yes, as plainly as you now see bodies. So Brigham Young is saying that we go, we would be in the spirit world, which is which is on this earth. Um, and so uh, we don't go back to our Heavenly Father's presence right away because we're not prepared yet. We have to do some things first. Then verse 12, he says, the spirits of the righteous are received into a state of happiness, which is called paradise. Now we know that paradise is the place where those who have made uh, covenants in the gospel and kept those covenants, they will be going into paradise. And all other individuals who have not received the ordinances of salvation uh, will then go into spirit prison and there be taught and there be prepared so that they can also come out once the ordinances are done in their behalf based upon their own personal repentance. And so uh, that's what he's that's what he's saying here, uh, that the righteous, and he, he def he's not defining it in this case, but we know that the righteous are those that have made covenants and kept their covenants uh, through the waters of baptism. Uh, down to verse 13, Then shall it come to pass that the spirits of the wicked, who are evil, for behold, they have no part nor portion of the Spirit of the Lord, for behold, they chose evil works, uh, so they are cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, and they are they are put in a state, it says in verse 14, this state of the soul of the wicked in darkness in a state of awful, fear, fearful, looking for the fiery indignation of the wrath of God upon them. Thus they remain in this state. So this is the, the condition of those that are wicked, that they'll be in this state in, in, uh, in spirit prison. Uh, verse 16, he says, um, there is a first resurrection, a resurrection of all those who have been or who are or who shall be down to the resurrection of Christ from the dead. In other words, all the righteous saints 
who lived prior to Christ's coming will be resurrected with him at, in his resurrection. And that will be called the, the beginning of the, of the morning of the first resurrection. And so that's when all of the righteous will, will be uh, resurrected. Those that have terrestrial or telestial inheritances will have to wait until the, until the millennium and after for their resurrection. Uh, verse 13, or verse 18, um, let's see, what does it say here? He says in 17, do not suppose that this first resurrection can be a resurrection of the souls to their happiness, but, the, but it meaneth the re, reuniting of the soul with the body of those from the days of Adam down to the resurrection of Christ. So again, he's saying that the righteous are those to be resurrected uh, when Jesus is. Verse 23, the soul or the spirit shall be restored to the body and the body to the soul. All things shall be restored to their proper and perfect frame. In other words, we're going to have perfect bodies. Our spirits before we came here were, were, were fully grown and were perfect so that the bodies when we get resurrected will eventually become like our perfect spirits so that any blemishes, any weaknesses, any any uh, things that we had, deformities, defects in our physical bodies will be eliminated and they will become just like our perfect spirit bodies. Down to chapter 41 then, um, again he's talking here about uh, the restoration, restitution of all things. Um, he mentions in verse um, three about the justice of God, that men will be judged according to their works. If their works were good, their desires were good, they should be also uh, restored to that which is good. Now notice he says that their works and their desires, sometimes we, are, we might be prevented from doing the good things that we want to do, but we will still be judged according to our desires for wanting to have done good. And then verse four, those whose works are evil shall be restored to them for evil. Um, and we won't be able to hide that. We won't be able to say, I didn't do that because it's recorded within us. All the things, all the deeds, all the thoughts, everything that we've done or said or thought will be brought forth and, and, uh, and, and brought to the judges to see and brought to ourselves actually to see. Uh, but one is, it mentions in verse five, one is raised to happiness according to his desires of happiness or good according to his desires for good and the other to evil. In other words, we're going to receive the, just, the judgment that we want we will be perfectly happy in whatever judgment we want. If we want to be evil and we want to revel in that, then that's the, the reward that we will get. If we want to be good and we want to be happy in, with those that are in the same condition, then that's where we will, we will be. If we were a wicked person and brought into the celestial kingdom, we would be so uncomfortable that we would want to get out of there. We would probably yell, get me out of here. Uh, verse 10, do not suppose because it has been spoken concerning restoration that you shall be restored from sin to happiness. Behold, I say unto you, wickedness never was happiness. So we can't hope that because we, we want to be in a state of happiness, having not um, done the works in, in mortality that we can, that's not going to happen. Um, verse 11, uh, all men that are in a state of nature, or I would say in a carnal state, are in the gall of bitterness. So uh, those that... Uh, are doing the wicked things will be, um, they will reap the reward of that and will be um, natural forever, basically, or kind of like a natural man. Verse 1 in, in the next chapter, verse uh, chapter 42, um, again, uh, Corianton is concerned about justice. He doesn't want there to be justice because of his sins. Uh, but, he but then he talks about the justice of God and the punishment of the sinner. Uh, that verse 2, he talks about the fall of Adam and Eve and that they were punished for their transgression, that they were removed from the Garden of Eden and were prevented from partaking of the Tree of Life after that because uh, they, they would have partaken and lived forever in their sins. And that couldn't happen. They had to be kicked out of the Garden of Eden so that they wouldn't be near the tree. 
But it mentions in verse 4 that there's a time granted to man to repent, a probationary time, a time to repent and serve God. So we have an opportunity um, once we become, once we come to, down to this earth and are mortal, now we have an opportunity to uh, repent. We have time to repent. Um, and in verse 6, he mentions that all mankind have become lost forever. In other words, it's not just Adam and Eve that have fallen, but all of us have individually fallen as well, and that we need an atonement. We need a sacrifice in our behalf uh, to be able to, to return back to our Heavenly Father. He mentions in verse 8 that we are all going to die, that that's not, it's not expedient that we should be reclaimed from death, that that's part of the, the plan of happiness is to die uh, so that we're not here forever. Uh, verse 9, as the soul can never die, so the spirit can't die. Um, the, the, the fall also brought upon us a spiritual death, uh, and we're also trying to be reclaimed by the atonement for that. Verse uh, 11, <clears throat> if it were not for the plan of redemption, as soon as they were dead, their souls were miserable being cut off from the presence of the Lord. But because of the atonement of Christ, we will once again be able to return back to his presence. He mentions in um, verse 13, according to justice, that God must exercise justice upon us because of our sins and transgressions. And if it were not so, it's, he says God would cease to be God. So God can't just... Uh, let us come back into his presence without having paid the price or having someone pay the price on our behalf. So justice can't be done or, or mercy can't be done without uh, some other uh, element coming in. And that's where the Savior comes into play. Uh, and it says that God would cease to be God if he, he just did that. Verse 14, thus we see that all mankind were fallen and were in a grasp of justice uh, and would be that way forever. And then verse 15, now the plan of mercy could not be brought about except an atonement should be made. Therefore, God himself atoneth for the sins of the world to bring about the plan of mercy to appease the demands of justice, that God might be a perfect, just God and a merciful God also. So having had the Savior uh, to perform the atonement allows us then to be, have mercy extended to us so that uh, as we comply with the rules and laws of, of repentance and, and keeping the commandments, that then the the, the Mercy will come and uh, reclaim us from justice and allow us back into the presence of God. In verse 22, he says there's a law given and a punishment attached. Again, if this were not the case, God would cease to be God. And mercy comes because of the atonement. And the, the atonement comes to pass uh, or brings to pass the resurrection of the dead. And depending on, on the laws that we have obeyed in this life, will determine what kind of a body we get. In other words, if we live the laws of the celestial kingdom, then our bodies will be celestial and we will be in the celestial kingdom. If we've kept the laws of the terrestrial kingdom, then our bodies will be terrestrial bodies. And, that, and then we will be resurrected uh, into the terrestrial kingdom. And so uh, these chapters are just wonderful as far as doctrine is concerned uh, regarding mercy and justice and and uh, that mercy claims those who repent and and uh, keep the commandments and are doing the things that they're supposed to. And those that do not repent will not have claims of mercy, but that but justice will be meted to them. And I pray that we might uh, repent of our sins and allow the, the mercy and the atonement of Jesus Christ to apply in our lives. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.